Welcome to this Bible Center Church Core class. We hope that this in-depth teaching of God's Word will challenge you to grow in your knowledge of Him and help you become a disciple who makes more disciples. Welcome to our core class. This one's going to be done a little bit differently than the ones we've done in the past. We've done this core class in a setting that works really well for our videotaping, for our 20-minute sessions, and for our podcast. This was done on a Friday night, so what I'm going to do is intro it, and then I'm going to kick you over to our video from that Friday night. We're going to break it up into smaller segments to go with our format of 20 minutes or less. So this is our creation section. Uh, it goes along with our membership statement of faith, and I'm going to read two points from our section on creation, which is section F, uh, and then I'm going to talk a little bit more about the other video that we're going to kick you to and what that's all about. It says this, Number one, the triune God, distinct from his creation and out of nothing, created everything visible and invisible by the power of his spoken word. By him, through him, and to him are all things. Point two, God creates out of the superabundance of his love and holiness. His creation and everything in it exists to proclaim his greatness, goodness, and glory. So the first section is, if you turn into your creation section, it is in session two, I'm sorry, it's in session one, about halfway through, and it says the world. Point A is God personally and intentionally creates everything. So if you find that spot, that's what we're going to jump into. So we're going to move over to the video. When you hear the pages being told to you about where to find stuff, those aren't going to be the pages that you find in your book. So you need to go to the creation section. It's in session one. The topic is the world is a couple topics in, so you'll find yourself right there for the content that's going to be taught to you in the next, for the next 15 minutes. So let's go to the video, enjoy, and I'll see you next time. Uh, again, this is something you always can go back to. The reason why I try to put as much down as possible is so you always can go back and review. And also we'll have this on podcast, we'll have this on video. Uh, that way you always can go back to and reference it. Page 12, the world. So we talked about the fact that God created everything that's invisible. He's created the unseen but God's also created everything that can be seen. And God personally and intentionally created everything. He personally and intentionally created everything. This concept is totally under attack throughout the world, especially in the United States. So some of these things I'm going to say, and you're going to say, that's obvious, I already knew that. But just realize as you're interacting with people at Chipotle, in your neighborhood, where you work, they don't have a biblical worldview necessarily that we have of why creation exists and why it is the way that it is. They've been taught through probably all of public school, through their secular college, that creationism is a ridiculous notion, and only evolution, only the Big Bang is the only thing that makes sense. And many believe that it's already been scientifically proven. Even though it'll say it's a theory, many just believe it's been proven, that there's not even a discussion to take place. Uh, we believe it's been proven in the other direction because God said it, it is so. So, as we go through some of these points, we need to recognize that oftentimes for people to go from where they are to start to understand that it was actually God who did this, they're going to go through stages and steps to get there. It is not easy for someone who's never heard of creationism to go from where they are to buying into, he did it all in six days, that's it. Okay? They don't get there quickly. So it takes place over time for people to come to those understandings. So as we talk, 
in your mind, just kind of think through what stages can you work through with someone to get them there. Uh, but let's talk through it together. The Bible starts here, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So before the beginning, there was no beginning. There was only the eternal state. So even though God here says, in the beginning, for him, it wasn't his beginning. He had already existed for all of eternity. So the in the beginning is when creation started. It's when time started, not when God started, okay? In the beginning is a reference to the fact that God creates time. Past, present, and future is from God's creating work. God creates the heavens, which means he creates all of space, width, length, depth, is from the hand and mind of God. He creates the earth and all matter. Every atom, every molecule, he created all of it. Solid, liquid, and gas is God's design, and he made it as so. God is the creator and master of all time, space, and matter. And realize this, he is not bound he is not controlled. He is not limited in any way by what he has made. You are completely limited by time. You and I are completely limited by matter and space. You can't get around it. Every moment of your life, from when you're born to when you are dead, you are bound by space, matter, and time. You are bound by those things. God is not bound at all by those things. He sees everything at once. He can be everywhere at once. And he can be, he, like, time isn't a reference point for him like it is for you and me. He simply says, I am. I am. He just is. He sees past, present, and future all at the same time. He's outside of time. God created out of nothing. God creates light, heavenly hosts, water, land, all of life measurements of time and day. He creates all of these things ex nihilo, which means out of nothing. God didn't reshuffle matter. Matter is not eternal in any way. Every atom, every molecule went from nothing to becoming what they are. Every form of matter came from the simple reality of God saying, let there be, and then there was. He didn't take a big ball of Play-Doh and squish it around and make things out of it. There's no eternal Play-Doh. There isn't. There was no matter before God made matter and spoke it into being. So why did God create? Was he lonely? Was he bored? Did he just need something to do? None of those are the reasons. Sometimes we picture God as being this old guy sitting on a log, stroking that beard, trying to figure out what to do with himself. That is not how God is described. He's lived in perfect community all of eternity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is a wonderful quote by Greg Allison here. It says, God created everything out of the superabundance of his love to display his glory, that is to manifest his goodness and his greatness. It's out of an overflow that God created. There was so much love and enjoyment and delight within the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that it overflowed into God deciding to create everything you see, and you, and me. C, creation is described and referenced as a historical event in Scripture. Psalm 136, in verses 5 through 9, God is praised for His creation as a historical event. Verses 10 and 11, He's praised 
for redeeming the people of God out of Egypt, a historical event. He's praised for parting the Red Sea, giving them the promised land, historic events. The creation account is put right alongside all the other historical accounts as being true, actual history, something that happened. God is worthy of being praised for each of those things, and each of them are equally as true. They came from his hand in time, space, history. So creation and points in history are all viewed from the same vantage point, real, actual, and taking place in time, space, history, resulting in praise. George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln, the Civil War, creation, all part of history, equally true, equally happened. They all happened. The real action of God in creation of all things lies at the roots of Christian worship. If you take out creation, everything falls apart. The reason why Jesus came and died on the cross is because he had a fallen creation. If God didn't create it, there was no reason for Christ to come and save it. It is the foundation piece for so much that we do. (laughs) Adam and Eve were created as real people, directly created by God. I looked multiple times for slides. They all have naked people, so I just didn't put any of them on the screen. Or they just have like a tiny little fig leaf. I, I like to always picture it as really big fig leaves. But for some reason, all the pictures are very small fig leaves. But they were directly created by God. Why do I want to emphasize that? The Bible doesn't describe them as slowly becoming Adam and Eve over time through mistakes and mutations. They describe it that God actually formed Adam from the dust of the ground by him breathing life into him. And Eve, from the rib of the man and from God's own hand and action, God directly and personally created Adam and Eve. Jesus points to Adam and Eve as historical people who are part of a historical event that shapes our view of marriage and divorce today in Matthew 19, 3 through 5. Like, he just references them. Like, this really happened. Adam and Eve are real people. This really happened. What they did has consequences on what's going on all around you today. The New Testament points to the creation event, Adam and Eve, and the fall, all as historical events and historical people with real consequences. God creates a world of doxology that proclaims his glory and displays his glory. So, again, to those who've grown up in church, you already know this. But so much of Charleston, so much of the Canal Valley does not know this, believe this, or has ever even thought through this. So we need to deny the idea that humanity is simply a result of mutations and mistakes. We need to deny that we exist without intentionality, that we exist without purpose. Because the other point of view, an evolutionary point of view, says that really you're only here by a series of accidents, mistakes, and mutations. That just goes against what God says. I wasn't there. You weren't there. God was there, and he spoke clearly about what happened. He says, I personally made you. I intentionally made you. Your design, your form, your function is from my head through my hands to who you are today. God was completely involved. Now, those things we know with certainty, very clear, but when it comes to the creation account, The Bible speaks clearly, but doesn't speak completely exhaustively about it. Can you imagine the number of pages 
in this Bible that there would be if he talked through how he took nothing and created matter out of it, how the stars aligned, his wisdom behind black holes and suns that just fall apart. Like, he didn't give us details on a lot of creation, a lot of how he did what he did, but it does speak truly. So the creation event is given to us with true communication, but not exhaustive communication. It speaks of angels, heaven, creation, angels, astrology, but does not speak exhaustively. We can never expect the Bible to be a scientific textbook. We would never expect it to be a medical reference. If your back really, really hurts, you need to go see a doctor. You're not going to find a verse to help you. We can't treat it as a medical reference. It's also not a scientific textbook. It doesn't intend to be. Where the Bible does speak, it speaks with accuracy concerning all that it says, but it doesn't speak about many things. A guy named Francis Schaeffer talked about this. It says, referencing knowledge gained from the Bible and from common grace, which is another word for science, Francis Schaeffer states, in practice, it may not always be possible to correlate the two studies because of the special situation involved. Yet if both studies can be adequately pursued, there will be no final conflict. In other words, if you study God's creation, what you learn about his creation would be consistent with what he says about his creation. But when it comes to common grace, when it comes to science, we have a limited understanding of what we're studying. We're still trying to figure out DNA, aren't we? I mean, we're finding things smaller than atoms within atoms, okay? Like, we haven't even figured out what the smallest particle is yet. Like, we're, we're not even there yet. So we're not in a position to speak with authority about God's creation based upon common grace, based upon our scientific study, because it's beyond us. An infinite God created it. Finite brains are not going to fully grasp it. So the results of scientific study will not always align with God's creation, but it's only because of lack of knowledge within scientific study. But Francis Schaeffer's point is, from heaven looking down, there will be no final conflict. What God says is true of his creation, and as we study and what we learn of creation, they will be the same when we have all, know all the knowledge that we need to make a right assessment of what we're studying. Right now, it feels like conflict sometimes, but there's a day when there's no final conflict. And that's the title of that book if you ever want to look it up. So, general revelation must always yield to special revelation. In other words, science versus what the Bible says as Christians, since we believe these are God's words and these are man's words, man's words always have to be in subjection to God's words, okay? And when there's conflict and disagreement, who are you going to go with? My suggestion is that you go with what God said, because he's the one who was there, okay? The Bible, last little quote there at the bottom. The Bible does give us all we need to know concerning the coming of Christ, the life of Christ, and of the Christ who has come and is coming back. So what is the purpose of God's Word? It's not to give you every detail about creation, though it tells us a lot about creation, but its purpose is to make sure that you know before Christ came that He's coming, that you know during the life of Jesus that this indeed is the Messiah, that you know as in the New Testament, it points back to the Jesus who came, that you know he was the Messiah and what he accomplished for you. That is the purpose of the Bible. And where it's focused, it does it perfectly. 